Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. This week's episode marks what is probably my most anticipated film of the year, as it's the return of one of my favorite filmmakers, Sam Raimi, to the big screen. Oh yeah, it just so happens to be an MCU Marvel film. Yay! I think before we get into anything, we should go ahead and announce the movie. Starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Elizabeth Olsen, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Benedict Wong, Xochitl Gomez, and Rachel McAdams. In the 2022 Sam Raimi-directed Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Considering this episode is being released on a Friday, and the movie releases officially on a Friday, of course you may have gone to one of the preview screenings, the early screenings, whatever you want to call them, I am going to do my best to keep things very light as far as spoilers. As a matter of fact, I'm not even going to give my own plot synopsis. I'm going to give the very vague one that is on IMDb. This movie features some twists and turns along the way. I would hate to ruin anything. I think if you have an interest in seeing this, it's probably best to go in blind. Even though a lot of the TV spots and trailers have kind of ruined things. Or did they? Well, for the most part they did. Or at least that's my opinion. So here we go, direct from IMDB because this synopsis is super vague and that's kind of how I want to keep it. Dr. Stephen Strange casts a forbidden spell that opens the doorway to the multiverse, including alternate versions of himself whose threat to humanity is too great for the combined forces of Strange, Wong, and Wanda Maximoff. Will they save the day? That last little bit was added in by me. Before we get into my actual thoughts for the movie, I wanted to say why I think Sam Raimi was probably the perfect director for this sequel. The big one is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness was supposed to be Marvel's first horror film. But then again, that was promised with the first Doctor Strange film, and we didn't really get that. Even though they hired a director for the first film, whose background included horror, which was Scott Derrickson. Scott Derrickson has made a lot of good horror films over the course of his career. It seemed weird that he would take on an MCU film, especially since most of his films are rated R. Who knows what happened behind the scenes, but Scott Derrickson walked away from this project. The reason given was creative differences, which as we all know, if you don't bow down to Kevin Feige or Marvel, Disney, whoever you want to place blame on, you're going to be shown the door. For better or worse, they have a distinct vision. Maybe it's because Derrickson wasn't going to get Final Cut. I have no idea. That's where we got the huge surprise that Sam Raimi was hired for the sequel. Apparently Kevin Feige is a fan of Raimi's work, specifically Evil Dead 2, so it seemed like a match made in heaven because maybe Feige got the director that he wanted. It was all the more surprising that this was a sequel to the first Doctor Strange film, and Sam Raimi was going to direct a sequel to a film that he didn't initially direct. That got those wheels turning in what I call my brain, and maybe this sequel could wind up being just as good as the first, if not better. Considering this is supposed to be a horror film, it marked a return to horror that Sam Raimi hasn't really done on the big screen since 2009's Drag Me to Hell. 
He knows how to work within that PG-13 horror MPAA strict guidelines. So it got me excited for this project, knowing that it could work. I couldn't believe that the director of the NC-17 rated Evil Dead was directing a PG-13 Marvel film, but a Marvel horror film at that. This was awesome. Especially with all the crazy camera work that went into the first Doctor Strange. I was thinking with how Sam Raimi likes to be wild with his camera work, this would be even better. As you know from my Doctor Strange episode from last week, I prefer my Marvel films to be only loosely connected. And I think that's one reason why I prefer those films, because they have the advantage of being able to, while telling a similar story, being their own thing. If I was to compare the first Doctor Strange to Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, it would be just like the original Suicide Squad film, and then James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, where they're similar, yes, but they're completely different animals, even if it has the same actors. The difference is, the first Doctor Strange was a very strong debut, but now with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, he has had multiple appearances and not a starring sequel, which is a big reason of why Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness has to be tied deeply into the MCU mythos, where the first film did not. So is the first film better? Probably, yes. But the second one hooks me because of Sam Raimi's distinct style. As much as I really do love the first Doctor Strange film, I'm going to say the sequel here is probably my preferred of the two. Just like while I enjoyed Suicide Squad, I enjoyed James Gunn's The Suicide Squad a little bit better because his style was all over the film. Just like here with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, this is no doubt a Sam Raimi film. Which is interesting to me because Kevin Feige and Marvel have had a long history of hampering the director. It seems like if somebody is an established director, or if they are a director with a distinct vision, it seems that they let them go a little bit further, but they still have to include all the usual Marvel checkboxes. I don't doubt that a director that isn't as well known for their style, they're going to more or less ghost direct the film for them. However, when you have somebody as big as Sam Raimi, James Gunn, Taika Waititi, they know that if they go and try to strong arm them, the director will walk away from the project. So I do think that they're given a little bit more freedom. Thinking back on the long history of the MCU and their mark on cinematic history, it's really not surprising to me that the ones that I enjoy the most are the ones where the directors are allowed to put their own creative spin on the film and material. There's a big difference on feel with the Guardian series, Thor Ragnarok, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, compared to some of the other MCU films that just feel like big budget soulless films. And as much as I actually enjoyed Endgame as well as Infinity War, I really can't help but feel that they're just a product of a company and not really the directors themselves, which were the Russo brothers. That's not to say that I didn't enjoy them, it's just I enjoy when a film, an MCU film, has its own individual voice. And that's where Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness really does succeed. Kevin Feige allowed Sam Raimi to go off the rails. He allowed him to put his own creative stamp on the film. We get all of these wild, crazy Sam Raimi camera angles. We get those 
sped up Ramy Cam shenanigans. If you know the director, you know exactly what I'm talking about with that. We get some PG-13 blood and gore, which is a welcome addition to the MCU canon. While it might not necessarily be a Sam Raimi film through and through, it at the very least feels like a proper Sam Raimi film. I really do feel that the direction, while it's super strong here, it's nice to see Sam Raimi have an appreciation for the material. I think that was very apparent in some of his past comic book films or comic book inspired films. As we know, Darkman was not based off any particular comic book, but yet it felt like a proper comic book movie. It was well directed, it had a lot of style, which there are a lot of things in this that feel that were ripped straight from Darkman, and even his own Spider-Man trilogy. Sam Raimi seems to be the perfect director for comic book films. There's also a whole bunch of Evil Dead inspired moments. As we know, this is supposed to be the first MCU horror film, and for the most part it is a horror film, which is surprising. There is, as I mentioned earlier, a little bit of blood and gore. We even get some dealings with the occult, which for me was very welcome. It allows the MCU to breathe a little bit. It allows it to go off in some creative new directions. I know that most of this stuff will probably be left to a Doctor Strange film. I was just surprised to actually see it deliver on its promise of being a horror movie. It's not all horror, it's basically as much horror as what you could expect from a Disney and Marvel produced film. It seems to gradually ramp up the horror, almost easing you into it. Which is probably a good thing, because I know a lot of people are going to be taking their kids to the film, and while it's never too extreme or too intense, we do get a zombie Doctor Strange, which is pretty cool looking. It's also nice to see that we get a little bit of a continuation of WandaVision. WandaVision is a show on Disney Plus with the MCU that completely took me by surprise. While I feel it's a show that didn't quite stick the landing as far as the final episode, which seems to be a common factor in a lot of these MCU shows, it was just for the most part very enjoyable, even if I didn't quite like where it wound up by the end of it. It was nice to see it tie so heavily into the film. Granted, you get more out of it if you watched WandaVision, but if you haven't, you probably should. It's just not exactly required. The movie does a good enough job of explaining itself of what Wanda Maximoff's motivations are. And with the way that the show WandaVision ended, it's not surprising to see the character turn here and how she simply wants to be happy. Speaking of that, that seems to be a going theme throughout this film, is the idea of being happy, being with the ones you love, being with your children. The idea of never quite getting what we want in life, or exactly who we want. I was actually impressed with the character arc of Dr. Stephen Strange in this film. He went from being kind of a Dr. House jackass kind of character to less sarcastic. We've seen Doctor Strange in a number of films. This is the first film that we actually got the feeling that he does have a heart, he does have emotions. I do like to see those moments in films. It's even more surprising when we see it in comic book films because we get to see the characters not just as a super-powered being, but an actual regular person. It allows us to relate a little bit more with the character. We get some realistic emotional scenes with Doctor Strange. We also get them with Scarlet Witch. It's nice to see those parts in the film. 
where we have all these action sequences, all these CGI heavy moments, and then the film slows down a little bit to allow us to have those human moments. It's even more rare to see it in a Sam Raimi film, a spectacle movie. He usually has something like that in some of his smaller films, such as A Simple Plan or The Gift. It was a welcome addition to this one. I will let you know that there is an overabundance of cameos, a lot of crowd cheering, yeah, moments, especially if you see it opening weekend with a full theater of comic fans as well as MCU fans. I don't think any of the cameos are throwaway, they don't feel cheap, they feel like welcome additions. It's nice to hear a certain musical cue when somebody shows up. Trust me, you'll know it when you see it. Speaking of musical cues as well as overall score, this movie has an excellent score from Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman has worked with Sam Raimi in the past with one of the themes from Army of Darkness as well as the Spider-Man films. We all know a Danny Elfman score when we hear it and this is no different. It definitely adds to the movie to give it that epic feel that we want from a comic film. If there's any real detractors to the movie, it's probably the fact that the movie can get a little messy at times. Messy story-wise. It's never enough to keep us completely in the dark, however the story can get a little bit on the confusing side, especially with all the multiverse antics going on. Is that truly a fault of the editing or director Sam Raimi? No, the movie is just fine as far as that stuff goes. It would have been nice to have it be a little bit more cohesive, but I did appreciate the risks that were taken along the way. Even when the story seemed to get itself stuck, it somehow wound up pulling itself out. So that's something definitely to the movie's credit. One thing that will be a detractor from some is that Marvel hit a extreme high with Spider-Man No Way Home. It's almost impossible to follow up a film that would have the same audience perception or the same audience enjoyment as what No Way Home had. This movie has the unfortunate luck of being the film to follow up Spider-Man No Way Home. Marvin, Will, and I were talking about it on the In Our Honest Opinion podcast on the most recent episode, which isn't up yet, but probably will be next week. Marvin was the one that initially brought that up, saying that this movie couldn't possibly live up to what was done in No Way Home, and he's 100% right on that. I don't know if people will look on the movie fondly, or if they'll say, well, it wasn't as good as No Way Home. To actually compare the two is unfair. Yes, it's part of the same series, but it's not really meant to be a competitor from one to another. But considering you may have a different taste, you're bound to prefer one movie over the other, and I think Spider-Man will probably win in most people's hearts. One more good thing that I can say about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is that the acting was strong all across the board. I never got the feeling that anyone was phoning it in, everybody took the material seriously even if it gets to be a little silly at times. Everything about it with how the various actors came across, it all seemed authentic and how it should be, if that makes sense. Overall, this is a movie that I knew that I was going to enjoy, but I didn't know how much I was going to enjoy it as an MCU film or if I was going to enjoy it as a Sam Raimi film. Thankfully, I was able to enjoy it as both, which to be honest, it was a little unexpected. It's well acted, it's well directed, 
The horror elements are a welcome change of pace from the standard MCU fare, and it's a movie that I can honestly say that I enjoyed. Hopefully you will as well. I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. If you don't do the whole social media thing and would like to reach me, you can do so at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. If you need to catch up on past episodes, you can do so at adamanalyzes.com. And if you're enjoying my podcast, why not tell a friend about it? Why not tell two friends about it for that matter? Or if you have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to continue to create new content and reach new listeners. But with that being said, be kind and good night.